very encouraging to be with you today in Lifeway. And there are a lot of you guys uh, I've met over the years, uh, like in the last 20 to 30 years or even 40, and others I'm just meeting today. Uh, a number of you we chatted before church, probably I was just joking with you, but even that's fun and that's wonderful. So I bring you greetings from Atlanta. Also, I'm supposed to bring you greetings from Myanmar. Uh, do you know where that is? That's what everyone's saying. I even talked to an airplane pilot last week, and I thought he'd been all over the world, and I said, uh, I just came from Myanmar a few days ago, which I did, and he had no idea what that was, but it's okay. It's where the former Burma used to be, uh, between India and Laos and China and Thailand, way over there. I told the congregation there uh, that I had a special greeting for them from Denpasar, because I had just been speaking with my wife in Denpasar, which is in Indonesia. Well, I kind of push it forward. So the group in Myanmar... Uh, Yangon, um, I told them I would give their greeting to Los Angeles if they wanted me to. And they were extremely zealous. And so the, those Burmese brothers and sisters are saying hello to you at Lifeway in Los Angeles. And if you want, I'll give your greeting to Atlanta, where I'm speaking on. Yeah, I'll be teaching next week back in Atlanta. Because it's a global. It's a global family, far larger and more wondrous, even strange, than you could possibly imagine. And I have the privilege of visiting most all of the countries where our, um, our sister churches are located. I mean, there are a few countries we've not been to, but not many. I get to see them face-to-face, -face, interact with them, hug them, or bow before them, or kiss them, or whatever the culture is, because the culture is different. I mean, I was in the Middle East a few weeks ago, and I forgot where I was, and I was, I was trying to give a hug to a sister in the fellowship. That's really not cool. Uh, just like there's some places I go where if I don't give a kiss to the men, that's considered quite cold. Uh, so you have to be cool with culture. My next, I'll be teaching in Atlanta next time. It's on Bible and culture. How do you know what, what parts of the Bible are for today? What parts are cultural? That's not an easy thing. But it's also not what I'm talking about today. <laughs> this is on Jesus Christ, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And Reese asked me to do a sermon with some evidences in it. In other words, a presentation that would help strengthen your faith if you're someone who's considering... Christ for the first time, and that's not that different to someone who's reconsidering Christ, that it, someone who's been around for a while and is thinking of quitting or not, or someone who's been gone and, and wants to come back. A lot of the questions are the same, and so I'm really hoping that what I share will help you. Now, we've already felt today powerful evidence that Christ is real. He changes hearts, God reaches out to us, He rescues us through Jesus Christ, the things we heard with the communion. Thank you so much, uh, John. But I want to give you even more reason for faith, and these will be some things that you could use, well, even with a skeptic. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He was asked, uh, well, when He went to can you see this all right? Yes. If it's too, we can make it bigger, otherwise, 
I can read it just fine, but then I'm right here, aren't I? So Jesus comes to, you like that laser? That is a cool, someone gave that to me as a present. It's the first day I've ever used it. I'm, I'm really, you know, I really like it a lot. Okay. Don't worry, it's safe. Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi. This is near the end of his ministry. And he, he wants to see what his followers really understand of him. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, Son of Man is one of the phrases Jesus applied to himself. It's one of the Old Testament ways of indicating the Messiah. So he's saying, who do people say I am? You know, what do they say about me? And the response, some say you are John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? This we must examine because you cannot just expect the world to come to a friendly church and say, so many smiling Christians, he must be the way, the truth, and the life. In our world, that claim requires some kind of backup, not just the personal sharing, the life, though that's vital. In our world, and our, most people on our planet are atheists, state atheists, secular atheists, or Muslims, Buddhists, or Hindus. I mean, that's the vast majority of the world. So you can't just say, well, I believe in Jesus, you should too, that's it. The problem is, which Jesus? When I was a boy, and I was brought up in a church background, not a church that read the Bible, but it, was a, I, I, it helped me believe in God. I just didn't really believe in Jesus. But we had pictures of Jesus, who was, I think it's not unfair to say, he was a woman with a beard. He was almost always presented, not just unwanted facial hair. I mean, it was a beard, but he was slender, he was delicate. You know, he, was, he would often burst into tears. He would weep. He was a bit emotional, uh, very quiet. This is Jesus, and maybe for some people that, that helps them. Uh, but that's actually not the image I see of Jesus in the Bible, uh, or, or in the lives of those who followed him. You know, those who imitated him did not act like that. But there are many Jesuses today. Some would like to make him into an Eastern god or goddess, or put a weapon in his hand. There's a thing called liberation theology. It's been out for 40, 50 years. God has his preferential option for the poor. Our world is filled with unjust power structures. Just as Moses led them out of Egypt, Jesus would want us to take up arms and lead the people out. So this is Che Jesus here, right? I would point out that when Moses led the people out of Egypt, there was actually no fighting at all. God is the one who, who did the violent stuff. The, 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 slave, the slave nation just walked away. But there's so many Jesuses. There's the metrosexual Jesus. And I'm not kidding. I mean, when I went to seminary, my middle seminary at Harvard, a lot of the students there were very progressive sexually. I mean, it was one of the biggest groups on campus, the gay and lesbian 
alliance. Most of my professors were gay, and the gay students all went to a certain church in Boston. Now, I'm not making a comment about the lifestyle or the, the biological, the genetic basis of that, which I think is important, is fascinating. But I'm just saying that there is, there's been a gay kind of Jesus preached for decades now. This is nothing new. This is going on for decades. Did you notice? Che Jesus, gay Jesus, metrosexual. I mean, there's so many kinds of uh, Jesus. Uh, if you don't know who Mr. Bean is, it's... Never mind, I'll, I'll use up all my time on extraneous things. But, you know, we say, well, we want him to be like us. People ask me, well, you know, what color is God? Is God a white man? Was the Madonna black? With Jesus black? Well, Jesus was Southwest Asian. Israel is Southwest Asia. He would have looked Palestinian. Um, as dark as a Mexican. Not like, you know, a Japanese office worker, Asian, but dark. Definitely he wasn't white, but definitely he wasn't black. That just shows you're demographically confused if you think he was black. He was no, no more black than he was white. He was Asian. And even that, you know, they, at least they try to come closer now. But there's so many Jesuses. Perhaps we feel more comfortable keeping Jesus in the manger. The manger is the food trough. It says in the Bible when he was born, they, they wanted to put him somewhere. I guess they had a kind of a border, um, a rim, a, a, an edge, and that was the food trough, which we call a manger, because in French it sounds so sophisticated. A manger, yeah. Um, it's a food trough. It's where the pigs would go, except these are Jewish people, so it's probably donkeys. But we like the baby Jesus, because we keep him as a baby, or we can just keep him on the cross, then he's at a safe distance from us. He can't actually make a claim on our lives if we keep him as a baby or keep him nailed up there on the cross. See, we tend to make Jesus in our own image. We tend to have all kinds of expectations. But I would encourage you to get your picture of Jesus from the Bible itself. And this is not to say that all traditional ideas of Jesus are wrong. But we've got to look at what the Bible says. Not just what my pastor says, my granny, uh, the website I went to when I did my deep research. It's so funny. People today, they say, I've been doing some research on Jesus. Oh, re really? Uh, what library? Is it a guide? Is it a master's or a doctorate? What are you doing? Oh, no, uh, my friend sent me a link and I went to a website. I was at a website for 11 minutes. You know, I've been doing my deep research. Well, I'm glad that you're doing this deep research. Um, we can do better. We can do better. It was C.S. Lewis, and I won't explain all this right now, because we're going we're gonna to make tracks here. But he was a, a guy who helped people believe and come to faith. He was an atheist who came to faith in Christ, who said, basically, you've got to consider the possibilities. And so often, when I present who Jesus is, I use... A structure like this, a chart, you would find this in, in compelling evidence, my book. Can you read that? Does that make sense? 
let's see how much of this we can cover in the time we have. You say this looks very analytical. Well, if you're involved in an intelligent conversation, your words can be analyzed and diagrammed. And if they cannot be, it just means because you haven't thought through your own position. If you have something worth saying, it can be analyzed. Yeah, but then there's no heart. Uh, hang on a second. If there's heart but no meaning, how does that help us? Any more than, well, there's no heart, but we understand. No, these go together. Even Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus adds in the mind, which is not in the Old Testament. They're basically just four possibilities. And we began considering the kinds of things that Jesus said. This is not to say these things are true, but this is what Jesus said. Did you know this? May I just select a couple? He said things like, the scriptures are written about me. Okay, some of you are looking in the Bible. What if I told you, see, turn, turn to page 45 of your Bible, that's about me. You would think, I was off my rocker. This is not just a normal claim. He claimed to forgive sins. Not, uh, yeah, you really hurt my feelings, but I forgive you. This was third-party forgiveness. You know, Jose sinned against Pedro. Jose, I forgive you your sin against Pedro. Que eres un sacerdote? I mean, what do you, you can't forgive someone else his sins. Ah, only God can do that, right? Mark 2, verse 10. Exactly. But this is the kind of thing Jesus does. He forgives people their sins. He says he's coming back to the earth. He'll rise from the dead. Or, uh, I am the light. Oh, this is a good one. You know, I am always. I've always existed. When were you born? 1992? 1974? 1946? Yeah, he's always existed. So even if we don't accept the claims, we begin, we still have to consider the possibilities. Let's say he never said those things. Those kinds of things were just made up. It's a legend. Maybe it's something that the church made up. Those monks in the Middle Ages on those dark nights. Boredom, boredom, muy aburrido, los monjes, okay, fabricado esas palabras de Jesucristo. Maybe that's what happened, and it's just a legend. And it's very popular in the universities to say Jesus is a legend, or it's mythology. We can't really trust it. A legend, a legend like what? Like, like Zorro? Like, I am legend? <laughs> Will Smith? Let's see, generally we know the difference between legend and history. Between fiction and nonfiction, we know. Like, if you think about the most profound childhood author, he's been, he passed on about 20 years ago, but we called him Dr. Zeus, Dr. Seuss. And he wrote great books like Put Me in the Zoo, Are You My Mother, and Yertle the Turtle. But maybe you remember his book, Fox and Socks. Let's discuss. Is that fox historical? Is it a true fox? Well, what kind of discussion is that? How about Robin Hood? 
is Robin Hood a legend or real? Well, well there maybe there was a Robin, but clearly embellished. So we can't really know. On the other hand, you don't have sisters sharing during communion how they were brought from darkness to light and given a meaning in life by Robin of Loxley. Robin who made all things right and gave us a firm place to stand and put a song on our mouth. So we don't really have to consider maybe Robin Hood is the Messiah because that claim is not being advanced. Legends? Then we have historical figures like Gandhi, Mandela, or here, Bill Gates. Or here, you see the great physicist Albert Einstein. And if you think I've made a mistake, it's only possible because you know these are historical figures, right? That's Gates. That's Einstein. See, we know the difference between history and legend. It would be quite convenient to make Jesus a legend. But to me, that's like those religious people who prefer to keep him in the manger. Or let's just keep him on the cross. And we'll pray to him in a time of need. But we won't let him out. We won't let him be real in our lives. Of course it doesn't work. There's abundant evidence that he was a real person, not a legend. This is one example I love. I put it in my book, but I love this. The emperor, the Roman emperor, when Jesus died, was called Tiberius. And we know Tiberius is a real person because he's named in ten different sources. Ten different ancient sources. Nine secular sources plus Gospel of Luke. How about Jesus Christ? mentioned in 42 sources, nine secular sources, plus 33 Christian documents. And all of these are within one and a half centuries, within 150 years of the life of Tiberius or the life of Jesus. Here's what I'm saying. If you say there's not enough evidence that Jesus lived, well, then, then certainly Tiberius is suspect. If we question whether he lived, then, then how about the emperor before him? You know, how, how about Augustus? Or how about his uncle Julius Caesar? That's just not the way you, do, you deal with history. You look at the evidence. You balance it. You weigh it. You don't say, well, this could be sticky. This could be uncomfortable. I prefer to consider this a legend. You don't do that. You're honest with the sources. And sadly, in our world, especially in the universities where I spend a lot of my time, things have just gone nuts. Jesus makes these amazing claims. I mean, imagine that, say, Albert Einstein had made those claims. What would you think of him if he said, I am the light? Or I've always existed. Or I forgive sins. Or... If you reject me, you reject God. I've never sinned. I mean, that's like John 8, 46. You'd say, what? Maybe you brought your younger children today. Would you feel comfortable leaving your children with the children's ministry teacher who said, your kid's in good hands with me.
See, I've never sinned. I'm the best teacher in the world. In fact, I've always existed, so I've perfected it. How would you feel about that? And then he said, oh, and I raised the dead. I mean, you would get out of here, wouldn't you? So you can't, don't just say, oh yeah, these are Christian kinds of things to say. These are extreme. If these don't hit you as extreme, it's because you've been inoculated somehow. You don't feel the impact anymore. But these words are powerful. The evidence that he lived is strong. His early followers insisted it was real. They knew the difference and they were willing to die for a true Messiah, a true Christ. Peter, we didn't follow mythology, we were eyewitnesses. John, we touched him, we saw him. Paul, if it's just legend, you should give up and go home. They never said, ah, uh, it makes you a better person, so do it no matter what. Just pretend. You don't need your brain. No, they insisted. We must think about that. And besides, if these, so these claims are made up, he'd be a legend, but that just doesn't work. There's historical evidence. There's archaeological evidence. I mean, I, I've got two hours just on archaeology. Uh, the archaeological proof for, for the scriptures, for the Old Testament, the New Testament. There's the ancient Jewish writings, the Syriac writings, the Roman writings. I mean, they were not unaware of this incredible movement that Jesus started. I, can, I, I don't want to go too quickly, so I just want to make sure Jose has time enough to translate that good. Okay, the Jewish writers. All kinds of references. People will say, I'll talk to atheists, and they say, well, you're using the Bible to prove the Bible. Take away the Bible and there's no Jesus. I'd say, that's not true. He, he's mentioned in a lot of places outside the Bible. And then sometimes they come back to me, and we have to be patient, and they'll say, all right, okay, I see what you're saying. But what I want, Douglas, show me an ancient person. Show me an ancient person who agreed that Jesus spoke the truth, who agreed he did the miracles, and who agreed he rose from the dead. I mean, someone who actually supported that. But it can't be a Christian. It has to be a neutral party. Now, wait a minute. What kind of person would be neutral if he admitted that Jesus came, these, this movement was gathered around, this amazing insight, uh, miracles were done, the dead were raised. How, how would you be neutral if you didn't follow him, if you did not give your life to him? You wouldn't be neutral. I mean, what do you call an honest person who sees the evidence and admits it? He doesn't stay a skeptic. That's actually what you call a Christian. <laughs> because he has, you have to follow it where it leads. Anyway, sometimes people ask such unrealistic things. And even, even if we didn't have the Bible, you know, you can reconstruct it from the quotations very easily. Oh, my goodness. So much to say. So little time. I'll just tell you this. The legend possibility doesn't work out. And that, this, what this does, it means that we have to deal with these amazing sayings. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. Those claims were made. Someone said that. It's not just legend. That doesn't work out. 
It explains too little. There are two possibilities. The words were made and they were true, but then we'd get ahead of ourselves. Or the, those claims were made, but they were false. If they were false, there are two possibilities. Jesus knew it was a lie, in which case, obviously, he'd be lying. Or he made these grandiose claims, but he did not know they were wrong, in which case he would be mentally unhinged. Well, let's consider this. The claims are made. They're false. He knew they were false. That's what you call a liar. I mean, if something is false, you know it's false, you say it anyway. Even in his time, some people said he deceives people. Some people said. Very few, normally those with special interests to protect. But what if Jesus did lie? What was the motive? You know, lawyers talk about uh, crime, and they talk about motive and means and opportunity. But what was his motive? You know, was he trying to gain power over people? Did he do it for money? Certainly there are religious leaders who did stuff for money and we're warned about them in the Bible. But what's his motive? If he, if he just lied? I mean, was Jesus corrupt? You want corrupt? Watch the news. You'll find religious interest stories about the corrupt. And it's, oh yeah, thank you, Douglas. Someone needs to say it because religion is so corrupt. Oh, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with religion. I read the news, I see corrupt generals, co corrupt politicians. I see corrupt businessmen. I see corrupt businesswomen. I see corrupt lawyers. I see even sometimes corrupt doctors, which makes me nervous. I see co corrupt preachers. It's not about religion. It's about the human condition that we have a problem with sin and it's everywhere and so when Jesus calls us to live a pure and holy life when Jesus lives that kind of a life we should pay attention I read a book by an atheist he admitted as he studied religious leaders as far as we know no one compared to Jesus no one could have been less corrupted by power this skeptic said no one could be less prone to sexual temptation. We get no hint of Jesus using his spiritual power to exploit others. See, that's good testimony because that's an outsider. That's someone who's not a Christian, but he's admitting Jesus as a leader, completely different to most leaders, what happens when they get power. So if he was a liar, then he was pretty cruel because he leading people to die, or he was a fool because, after all, he did not succeed. And you could say, well, maybe, maybe the disciples stole his body. Uh, yeah, and they started a Christianity and they were lying. It just doesn't fit with what we see of these disciples. They weren't the kinds of people who made up lies. They were more the kinds of people who ran away and played it safe. At any rate, Jesus talks about truth. Compared to the world, Christ is the truth. What is truth? The Roman says, Pontius Pilatus, what is truth? Your word is truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. So there are multiple problems with saying Jesus is a liar. I think we, we can throw that one away. If he's not a liar, 
then where does this bring us? Okay, we have these, these, these claims that the church affirms the things that Jesus said. They're not made up. Jesus said them. If they were false, there are only two options. We see he's no liar, so that's not possible. But that, that would mean that he didn't know they were false. Can you see? There are only limited possibilities. But if he didn't know they were false, he would be crazy. Now, I've met people, maybe you have, I've met people who believe that they are God. I have confronted people. I mean, a guy once came to my office, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He claimed to be God. I disproved it to him, but it didn't change anything. I studied the Bible with a man who was convinced he was Jesus Christ. And he, he was trying to become prime minister of the country where I lived because he was, this would be the second coming. The world has people like that, but usually they give themselves away at certain times. Jesus wasn't like that. I mean, some people said, you're mad. He's crazy. Why listen to Jesus? But what kind of person was he? Was he really a lunatic, a twisted, warped, you know, crackpot? What kind of person was he? Jesus was so stable. There's no sign of paranoia. You know, they're out to get me, they're out to get me. Oh, they're coming, Peter, save me. He knows they're out to get him. And so he plans his travel schedule carefully. But at the end, he goes right to them. When, it's, when he's finished with his ministry, he knows he's going to die. He knows he will not be tolerated. There, there's no, he's not a sociopath. He, he's not inconsistent in, in what he teaches. Uh, th this guy is not delusional. He doesn't have the signs of, of... He's not a narcissist. It's not all about him. He's a servant. He washes the feet of his disciples. In fact, he's so balanced... I wish I was like Jesus. I'm trying to be like Jesus. It's not easy. Perfect balance. He's tender, but he's not sentimental. Sometimes we're just so sentimental. We want everyone to be saved without any repentance. It's all emotion. And we think Jesus walked through the field and saw the lily of the field, and then he broke down into tears and couldn't control himself. He's not that way. Zealous, fearless. But he was wise, the balance, unworldly, not corrupted by the world. But what is his first sign recorded in John? It's a party sign. It's a party miracle as he turns the water into fine wine. And that doesn't fit with some theologies. <laughs> some people are so afraid of alcohol, they, they think, no way would, would Jesus do that. Sorry, it's in the Bible. He's confident, but not overconfident. Self-sacrificing, but he doesn't throw a pity party. He's urgent, but he's not, you know, decapitated. He's not anxious. He's under attack, but he's, he's not rattled. He's never harsh, even though he's so strong. A powerful leader, yet he's a man of prayer. The point is, he is so sane. He's not insane. He's completely sane. There's no evidence he's a lunatic. Children were comfortable with him. The oppressed women were comfortable with him. 
Those who were not comfortable with him were those with an agenda and something to hide. But others were drawn to him, sometimes even against their, their will, <laughs> not because he hypnotized him. He was not a lunatic. And that leaves us only one other possibility. And so, Douglas, what do you mean in Muhammad? What are we talking about? The prophet, peace be upon him. What I'm saying is, we could look at the leaders of every world religion. We could uh, look at the claims, what they taught. We could weigh these. We could balance these. I just came back from a Buddhist country. Okay, I can tell you what the Buddha taught. I studied Buddhism for a year when I was at Harvard. It's not a matter of respecting others. I respect the Buddhist. But let's see if what he taught actually works. Does it make sense? If you're not willing to examine your religion, what kind of religion do you believe in? We've got to be willing to examine and when you do that and ask the hard questions about every religion, then I think we get an answer to that question. You know, Jesus says, who do you say I am? And then Jesus, Peter says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. That's the insight that comes when you spend some time with him. Jesus actually said, you have to be open. Jesus said, if you're not willing to go on the right path, if you're not a woman or a man of integrity, you'll never figure it out. In other words, it doesn't matter, even if you've got eight hundreds on your SAT, your, your college boards, that doesn't mean, oh, well, you're so smart, then you'll accept Jesus for who he is. No, because it's not primarily about smarts. That's not the way it works. It's about heart. And if we're willing to follow the truth wherever it leads, then we are true seekers. A true seeker doesn't just say, I will seek fashionably until it gets uncomfortable. So we look at his claims and we land, obviously, on the final option, that he's Lord. Not Lord Krishna, not Lord Voldemort, but the Lord. And this is backed up by so much evidence from his life, his impact, the prophecies, oh, the way the scriptures, centuries older, point to him. I've already mentioned the archaeology. But Jesus is Lord. And let me close with three implications for us. One is we have to accept his uniqueness. See, we've seen the possibilities. He's not legend, liar, lunatic. The only thing that makes sense is that he's Lord. That means first that you can't just say everyone else is Lord too. I just came from a Buddhist temple. I admire the Buddha. I've studied the scriptures. But you cannot say, yeah, Jesus is Lord and so is the Buddha. That doesn't work. I mean, Jesus claimed to be God as human. Buddha was agnostic. Buddhism is an atheist religion originally. You can't say they're both right. People, people are so disrespectful. They think they're being tolerant. They're being disrespectful. They say, well, basically, you see, my friend Aziz, my friend Ali, it's the same God. Really, uh, they worship Allah. We worship the Lord. It's the same God. It's the same faith. Really, we agree on everything. You agree on everything? Are you patronizing your Muslim friend? Are you saying that your Muslim friend really does believe in Jesus? He just doesn't know it? They say he's a prophet. 
Well, yeah, they're like Christians. They just don't realize it. Do you know what the central teaching of Christianity is? The central teaching that explains the kingdom of God. What's the central teaching of Christianity? God becomes one of us. God comes to earth. That's the, our, that's the central miracle of the Bible. And what is that in Islam? That is the unforgivable sin. Any other sin except apostasy could be forgiven. But you say that God became human, unforgivable. So to pretend that their greatest sin and our most cherished doctrine, if we're Christians, that they're somehow compatible, is to be dishonest with the evidence, be tolerant. But that's not what tolerance is. Tolerance is allowing the diversity, not pretending that everyone's right. Secondly, implication means obviously we must offer our obedience. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? If Jesus is Lord, this means, secondly, that you're not the Lord. And you may say, well, I would like to just have the world revolve around me. Stop right now. I want to get off. You can react the way Felix did. He got nervous by the gospel. He said, I'd like to keep coming to church, Paul. When it is convenient, when I feel good, I'll come back back. Paul didn't allow that. If he's Lord, there are consequences, and he's earned it. And finally, if he's Lord, you can't just be a doubter forever. You have to deal with the doubt. Thomas doubted even after the Lord. You should look at this later on, John chapter 20. But he comes to Jesus, and, when, and he says, I would have to see it to believe it, even though he already believed it. He was willing to die. He comes, and Jesus visits him the next week. He says, stop doubting. You know, put your hand in my wound. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus doesn't say, I'm not God. I'm not Lord. Of course he's God. Of course he's Lord. And he understands, God understands our need for proof, our need for evidence. That's wonderful. That's where I can help the struggler. I can help when I speak in the different universities. But you cannot, what's not acceptable is to just struggle and doubt perpetually. Eventually, you have to come to a decision. Jesus is Lord. The evidence is strong. We should accept his uniqueness, offer our obedience, and then deal with our doubt.